Uh, think about it this way. Like if you were called to go out and be a Navy SEAL or a Green Beret in an actual war, the way to prepare for that would not be to binge on Netflix and Twinkies. Hey, Pantry fam. Are you looking for more faith-based podcasts, but you don't know where to go? The Access More Podcast Network has over 40 shows on topics like faith, culture, family, and entertainment, and offers a safe space to discover inspiring conversations. So if you're a fan of this show, you're going to find encouragement, hope, and joy from other podcasts on Access More. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Hey, I'm Shay. And I'm Michelle. And this is The Pantry Podcast, a show for those who want to be challenged, sifted, and changed by Jesus, not junk food. Learn to contextualize God's word in your life and discern the simplicity of the gospel amidst the complexity of his saints. This is season 11, Breaks and Builds. We're looking at what God has called his church to be and how well we're hitting or missing these marks today. So welcome, sit down and join us and friends from over 90 countries in the pantry. Now let's dig into the meal. Hey, what's up? Hello. Man, I'm so, so excited, man. We are in our second episode of our 11th season. There we go. How yes, awesome is that? yes. First guest. First guest of the season. Ooh, big, yeah. And big. it's going to be good because I think tonight we're going to dial in some really cool, cool things because yeah. I really start to look at how we operate in our day to day lives, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that we walk away from God's wisdom sometimes. Right. And in Proverbs 4, it says, God, get wisdom. Get understanding. Look, do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. So we 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 need this this togetherness with the word of God, this wisdom. But we end up in this separation. Right. It's kind of like saying separation of church and state. Yes. Um, you know, we hear this all the time, whether it's right, whether it's wrong, whether it's in the Constitution or it's not. Look, that's <laughs> not the battle for today. But we do hear this as Christians. But one thing we don't want is separation between us and God. Right. And we need to really ensure, especially in the days that we're going forward in, that we do not disconnect that every aspect of our life is under the banner of love, which is God. Yeah. So today we have an amazing guest that I got the chance to meet back in Pennsylvania. If you if you've been listening for a while, I, I got a ton of really cool guests from a homeschool convention out in Pennsylvania. And so Israel Wayne is an author and conference speaker and director of Family Renewal. And since 1995, he's traveled around the nation speaking on family, on homeschooling, on revival, discipleship and cultural issues, which is why he is the perfect fit for the topic for today. So welcome, Israel. It's awesome to have yeah, you. Yeah, Welcome, brother. Oh, thank you. I'm blessed to be here. Yeah. So, you know, the topic that you were talking about at the convention was the reason that this clicked so perfect when we were talking about this season and breaks and builds and things that the church, you know, maybe doing right in part, but then also it might be going off track, you know, in another way. And so, you know, hearing about this separation of church and self, you know, what like what is the issue that you see with this? Well, it's a term that I use to define how I think a lot of Christians approach their life. And it's this compartmentalized Christianity where they have what they consider a, a sacred aspect of their life and then a secular aspect of their life. And I think most Christians don't think about it philosophically or maybe that's straightforward. Like they don't actually sit down and have thoughts about it. It's just sort of a subconscious approach to how they do their life. And so this, this sacred sphere uh, contains these, these ideas of their religious life, their church attendance, the, the kind of spiritual side of, of how they express their faith, uh, Bible reading, prayer, uh, devotionals, you know, that kind of thing. 
But then there's the whole rest of their life in which their faith really doesn't play in in most cases. And, you know, I have come to believe that there's a, a biblical theology of everything. And so we use this term. A lot of people have heard the term, maybe don't know what it means, but biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, having a truly biblical worldview would be being viewing or seeing all of life and reality through the lenses of Scripture. Be, everything that you do, everything you decide is informed not by your own ideas or by the philosophies of the world, but is informed by a theology. And so when you think about economics or you think about law and government or you think about marriage and relationships or parenting or education or entertainment or the arts or creativity or you know anything that you do in life, anything that's part of your life, you see it through that grid. But I think for most Christians, it's this separation of of their religious life and then just the rest of life, which they don't see as being informed by scripture because in their mind or in their view, scripture doesn't speak to those areas. Scripture is silent on those areas. And so they just kind of figure it out on their own and they make their decisions based on what they think is best or what people around them do, or, you know, what they see other people in culture doing. And so if you were to ask somebody, you know, what is a biblical theology of, you know, one of those issues they wouldn't even know how to begin to think about that. I like looking through the lenses of uh, of God and then the Bible to how I apply it to life, not how I want to apply it to the Bible and, and sift it around. But how how do we do this? How do we actually start to take this persona on and say, hey, look, I need to change. I, I, I want to start looking at this differently. I need to see. And like, OK, I guess how I'm trying to say this. Let's, let me let me just put it here. Yeah, because that's hard to do. Right. That is that is hard to do sometimes. It's like, well, how do I apply the Bible? Right. And so when you're talking about this and you're talking about making sure that we're not separating God, that we're keeping it all encompassed, how are you guiding people into doing this? Like when people ask you this question, well, okay, where do I start? Well, the first thing is in order for us to be able to think biblically, we have to know scripture. If you look at any of the studies that have been done on biblical literacy, within America, particularly groups like the American Bible Society. They do pretty regular surveys and studies uh, to find out how much Americans are reading their Bible and even how much church people read their Bible. And in the United States, it's abysmal. Um, Biblical literacy is just in a horrible condition right now. Uh, I will say this, you know, I don't want to be all doom and gloom. One thing that's actually improved that has been the creation of Bible apps. The -hmm. fact that people have an app on their phone and they can take the Bible with them everywhere. And so they're sitting waiting for an oil change somewhere or they're in a doctor's office or something. Uh, A lot of Christians have learned to kind of turn to the scripture, put some headphones on, you know, listen while they drive. And so actually uh, for Christians, um, reading their Bible has actually gone up slightly since the creation and invention of Bible apps. So praise God for technology, right? Yes. That's, really good <laughs> that's, that's good um, news for tech. <laughs> good news for tech. Yeah, exactly. You know, within the culture, it's getting worse and worse because people that don't read their Bible at all, right. they, they just kind of make up what they think God is like, or they make up what they think Christianity believes or teaches. And they really don't have any idea because they haven't read the Bible at all. So the first thing I would say is we have to read the Bible a lot because we won't know what it says 
unless we read it. And so we need to read it a lot. And I would say more than just read it, like we need to completely saturate our mind with it. Um, I think of like Deuteronomy 6, where it tells us we're not just supposed to read it, but we're supposed to like have it up in our house, you know, put scripture verses up everywhere. So it's just always in front of us, you know, wear it (laughs) on our body, you know, just constantly keep scripture in front of us. Uh, We're told that we're supposed to sing, uh, you know, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We're supposed to just keep the word of God constantly in front of us. So that's one thing I, I think is you can't live biblically if you don't actually know the bible and you don't know the bible if you don't actually read the bible most christians i think just think they know what the bible teaches because they go to church and they listen to some sermons they really don't they need to actually read it a lot so that's the first thing there's a second part to it that's super important dr francis schaefer who is a christian philosopher that i would encourage all of your podcast listeners to go back and and read Um, He was a missionary in Switzerland up in the Swiss Alps, and he had a a little property that he called Labrie. And he had a lot of people who came to him, a lot of hippies, actually, in the 60s and 70s. And they were all kind of searching for meaning. And they had, you know, gone out checking out uh, existentialism and LSD and, you know, all these things, just trying to find out the meaning of life, Eastern mysticism. And they, they finally thought, well, hey, let's check out the whole Christian thing. And so they would go listen to Dr. Schaefer and ask him questions. And one of the things that he said about American Christians is he said, American Christians, he died in 1984, just to give you some kind of context of his life. The Schaefer said that uh, one thing about Christians is that they think in bits and pieces rather than a comprehensive whole. Mm. And I have seen this to be true of a lot of church going Christians, particularly those who have been raised in church. And the way the illustration or the analogy that comes to my mind is like most Christians have this thousand piece puzzle on the table in front of them. They've got like a thousand pieces and they're trying to put the pieces together and they're struggling with it, how to figure out life and how to know how it all fits together. But my goal, uh, what I feel like God's called me to do to a great extent is to try to come along and show them the box top and to say, look, this is the picture. This is what you're going for. This is what a biblical worldview looks like. And when they see that, it's like they already have the uh, you know a million little Bible verses, right? They've got they got lots of little data bits, lots of pieces of information. And so when they are able to see the big picture, they go, "Oh wow, okay. So that's what I'm supposed to be going for. That's what I'm supposed to be aiming for. That's what a biblical worldview looks like." Okay, so now let me start trying to put this together. So let me give you one important principle. There's a whole bunch that we could go through. The Lord Jesus Christ does not merely want to come into your heart and be your personal little savior so that you can go to your own personal heaven when you die. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how Christianity has been packaged to most evangelicals within America. It's like, you know, you have these felt needs uh, you you need something greater than yourself because everybody struggles in life. So come to Jesus and he'll sort of be your personal therapist that will be your friend and your helper. And uh, and then he'll save you so you don't go to hell when you die. Uh, and that's a good thing. You want that, right? Well, ask Jesus in your heart and he'll save you and you can go to heaven. And for a lot of Christians, that's what they get of Christianity. Like that's what's presented to them. And that's pretty much all that they get. Right. 
but that's not how the scripture really packages the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is that Jesus Christ is the king over every area of the universe. He is the Lord of all lords. He's the king of all kings. He's the ruler above all authorities. And that all power and all dominion in all of the universe is under his feet. And that he is the sovereign ruler over it all. And so there is no area in all of the universe, number one, that he did not create. We know that from Colossians 1 and John 1. Uh, you know, it says specifically that Jesus created everything, not just God, but that Jesus created everything. So not only did he create it, but Colossians 1 tells us that he sustains it and he holds it together by his power. Mm. And the reason that everything in the universe works is because the Lord Jesus Christ sustains it and holds it together. So, you know, we're talking about the laws of science, thermodynamics, the laws of gravity and motion, the laws of mathematics, the laws of logic, the laws of music, like all of the things in the whole metaphysical world, not just the physical world, but the, the idea, the world of ideas and concepts, um, you know, the metaphysical world contains all of these things that we know exist, but that you can't see tangibly. They're non-material. You can't put them under a microscope. You can't test them in a test tube or in a laboratory, things like love, uh, altruism, justice, uh, morality, uh, all of those kinds of concepts. Like we know these things exist. And so you have these two competing frameworks, right? These two competing narratives. The one is the atheistic humanistic worldview that says time plus matter plus chance created everything in the material world and everything in the non-material world. Biblical Christianity says, no, the Lord Jesus Christ created all these things, the, the, the visible things and the invisible things is how Colossians 1 puts it. And John 1 says, nothing was made that wasn't made by the word. So the Lord Jesus Christ created absolutely everything in the universe. And so everything that we study within education, every academic subject, every concept, all of these things, even communication itself comes from the Lord Jesus Christ who created it all. And it's a reflection of his mind uh, and of his sovereignty and his power. So he created everything, he sustains it, he holds it together. So there's no area in all the universe that he does not claim uh, lordship over that. And so every facet of the universe he claims ownership over, you know, so the, the scripture tells the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. There's nothing in all the universe that does not belong to the Lord. That is not his, right? So that means that your finances, your time, your life, like your job, your relationships, your entertainment choices, absolutely everything in all of existence, he's king mm. over it and therefore has a say and dictates policy as to how this is supposed to go. You have to actually really get that inside of you. And then to begin to think about if that's true, then that means I, I literally, I have no money yeah. at all. Everything that God gives me, every dollar, every penny that God gives me belongs to God. And I can't spend any of my money the way that I want to. You know, this false uh, sacred secular dichotomy says 90% of your money belongs to you and 10% of it belongs to God, not right. a biblical worldview. Right. Uh, you know, if you look at it as, well, I have my time and then I give my time to God. Like I go to church and that's God's time and I have prayer time. And I, no, that's a, that's a, 
you know, schizophrenic theology. Uh, you're, you're doing this compartmentalized Christianity. Yeah. Biblical Christianity says you don't own any of your time. God owns all of your time. Wow. So you have to go to God and find out, like, how am I allowed to use this time? Right. Because he's king over your time. Like, there's yeah. so much we could dive into with that. Yeah. But I'm just saying, right. like, that's one P, That's like one major box top moment. That yeah. You see that and you start to think, like, I don't have a choice of, I can't just watch any kind of entertainment that I want to. I can't just give my children any kind of education that I want to because my children belong to God. I can't just choose to go, you know, do anything that I want to because I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price and therefore I have to glorify God with my body, which is not my own. And so it's a, it's a, it's a mind shift, but it's a, it's also a paradigm shift. It's just a complete change in the way that we think about life and the way that we do life. Yeah. And I want to take a step back because I think that we jumped right into how do we solve it? And I think that a lot of people, they might not even realize the cost associated with not follow, like not pursuing a, like, I remember an example that we've used on, I think season one or two of our show. And then you used a very similar one was this idea of you used a pie. We used a pizza. Um, Jesus is not just a slice of your pizza. He is the pizza in this sense, right? It's a pizza that's Jesus flavored. It is Jesus and all of it is impacted by him. It's not just one slice. Um, it's not just one Jesus flavored slice of pie. Um, and some people don't realize that because it might, they might think it's working for them. Yeah. Great question. And you know, there's a metaphor that I use where I say a lot of Christians do life. Um, the, the word that I've invented, it's not a real word, but the word that I've invented for it is boxianity. Right. So it's like you have all these compartments of your life. So you have a box or a compartment for each of these different facets that make up who you are. So you have a box for your employment, a box for your finances, a box for education, a box for entertainment, recreation, a box for relationships, and then a spiritual box, right? And then your mm -hmm. spiritual box goes all these spiritual things that you do, and it's your Jesus box, right? without realizing that Jesus isn't interested in just being put into one little box or one compartment of your life. Um, he would claim ownership of all of those boxes, including like, you know, if you have all these boxes in the, in the living room of your life, uh, he claims the whole living room. He claims the house. He claims the property on which the house sets. He claims the earth and the fullness thereof, you know, so there right. just is no, uh, Abraham Kuyper said this, uh, he, he was a, a Dutch, statesman and theologian but he said something like there is no inch no split second where the lord who is uh who is sovereign over all does not claim mine like that belongs to me if you know what the whole is mm -hmm. you know like if you know that the whole a whole pie is a blueberry pie and you take a slice out of that you know that slice is going to be blueberry but for a lot of people it's kind of like you know they they want their whole life to be pumpkin which is basically themselves. Like they, they get mm -hmm. to be the king of their own life, but they'll have this one little area, this one slice for Jesus, which is blueberry. Uh, it's just a, a schizophrenic way of doing life. It's not cohesive. It's not coherent. There's no integrity. Um, there's no consistency to it. And, you know, you think, you asked about like, well, what does this look like? One, one guy in history that really got a hold of this and wrote about it in some pretty profound ways was a, German theologian named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And Bonhoeffer was in Germany as Adolf Hitler was coming to power. And he wrote this amazing book in like 1932 
called The Cost of Discipleship. And it was basically kind of a study through the Sermon on the Mount and the teachings of Jesus of what Jesus said discipleship would look like. And, you know, he said, when you, when you think about the disciples got it, like they understood what they were being called to. And he's famous, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is famous for making this statement. He said, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Like that's the invitation. Right. You, you die to your old life. You die to your ambitions. You die to every desire and goal um, that you thought, like, I have to have this for myself. And you relinquish your rights to all of it. And you say, I'm just giving Jesus a blank check. And I will just simply follow and do whatever it is that Jesus calls me to do without question and hesitation. And he says, why would anybody answer that call? Like, why would anybody sign up for that? And he said, for the disciples, the reason that they said yes is because of who it was that was calling. Mm. It was Jesus who called. And as Peter put it, to whom else could we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. So they realized who this Jesus was that was calling them. And they realized this is the king of the universe and everything else in this world, everything else in life burns up. It's not eternal. Uh, and ultimately, it will vanish and go away. So if we want to inherit something that doesn't leave us when we die, that doesn't just you know, go to the grave with us and, and become compost like our bodies once we're buried, we need to tap into to something that's eternal. And there's only one eternal king. And so he said that the reason that the disciples left their nets, the reason they left their life, they left their careers, they left everything, and they followed Jesus was because of who he was. And what did they gain in that? Because if you read the end of their story, a lot of them were martyred. I mean, almost all of them were martyred. Um, possibly the Apostle John might, may have been the only one that church tradition says may have lived, you know, and, and didn't, uh, didn't die of being martyred, although he was tremendously persecuted. Um, and so you look at their life and you think, well, what did they gain from all of that? Well, what they gained was Jesus. That's what they got out of it. They they got to be adopted as children of the living God and to have relationship with the king of the universe. That's what they got. Jesus talked about it being like a pearl of great price. That somebody would just go sell everything they have to get that. Mm. To get that one thing because it's like so valuable to them. And most of the world would laugh at them. Most of the world would call them foolish. And most of the world would not understand it. And the Apostle Paul says that. He says, it's foolishness to the world. They don't get it. It doesn't make sense to them. It's not the way they think. It's not, you know, the gospel doesn't make sense to the world. But for people who have had a taste of it and they realize just what it's like to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit and to be renewed, um, in the, on the inside by the Holy Spirit and to be forgiven and to experience the gospel of grace. There's nothing else like it. There's no rush. There's no high. There's no experience. There's nothing on earth that's even close. And so you, you would give up everything. You would sell everything for that. Yeah, we just we just finished watching the uh, true story of Richard Warmbrett, mm-hmm. and how, how, what an amazing story! And and one of the portions in that this is in this in this paradigm of Jesus, right? Jesus, they're at the they're at the border crossing. They have this opportunity to leave. They're sitting there in their car. They're having this discussion. You know, we could just walk away, and and they didn't. 
they turned around, and they went back or they went back. They, they went right back into the situation that they were going, that they knew they were going to face with persecution, being Jews, but being Christians, you know, bring, crossing over. And it was amazing to sit there and watch them walk through their story and then impact the lives of people around them. Uh, one of the greatest ones would be the one that would had killed uh, the wives family. Um, yeah. We were talking about the same discussion about dying to self, you know, carrying your cross and following Jesus. And so I'm going to bring this into a, a, a question too. So the Western church, and we're definitely in, in a category where I don't know, but we were in the same discussion. And so in our culture, we, I don't know that we necessarily grasp the depth because of, of, of a privilege that we have of living in America and not having the persecutions that we go through and not seeing, you know, you know, the, the destruction that happens when you believe in Jesus and choose to follow Jesus. So with this being an issue in, in American culture, how I keep going to that word how, cause I like answers, I don't know. <laughs> I like answers, but it's like, how do we bring people into an alignment to understand this? Well, we're ignorant of scripture. But we're also ignorant of church history, and these things deprive us uh, in, may, in significant ways um, because what we think of Christianity is basically what we've experienced in our lifetime um, and what we've been taught about Christianity in our lifetime. But becoming aware of, of Scripture, you, know, you have the whole Hebrews 11 chapter you know, where it talks about people who uh, were tremendous men and women of faith, and yet it says they died not yet obtaining, obtaining the promise. You know, so like there were people, it says that were chained and imprisoned and cut in half. And, you know, and yet these people were, says the world was not worthy of them. So we find some of these stories in the Bible of people of great faith, greater than we could ever imagine. And yet life didn't always treat them well. And yet they received an eternal inheritance. So we need to know the scripture, but then also reading those books. I mean, Richard Wormbrawn, you know, from a spiritual metaphor standpoint, He's like one of the green berets or like the Navy seals of spirituality, you know, like this guy is, he's like the iron man, you know, but reading about him and and even Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I mean, he's in Germany. Um, He realized at a certain point, like I could get out and he did, he actually left for a short time. And, uh, and then he realized I'm a pastor and my flock is in Germany. And like, why am I here saving my own neck? when I'm supposed to be shepherding these people. And he went back to Germany and, you know, I hate to spoil the story, but Bonhoeffer was hanged just a few days before World War II ended in 1945. And so reading about great men like Richard Wormbrand and the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, reading books like Pilgrim's Progress, um, reading Fox's Book of Martyrs, written by John Fox, it just tells the story of the persecution of Christians over a couple of centuries, and then Martyr's Mirror being another one, and educating ourselves, um, you know, tapping into even modern stories that are promoted through groups like Voice of the Martyrs. They, they help us to see that the normal Christian life has been one where Christians get persecuted. We've lived in this really unique and kind of special little window in both history and geography. where we've had about a 400-year experiment in religious liberty. And almost nowhere else in 2,000 years of church history and nowhere else on the planet have other people experienced that. We've had more religious liberty in 400 years here in America than anywhere else in the entire world in the history of the church. 
So our experience of Christianity is a little skewed because we haven't experienced what people have experienced for 2000 years of church history and what Christians around the world experience right now everywhere else. It's warming up, it's heating up mm. here and it's coming here. And so the way that you endure uh, persecution, spiritual persecution is not by, uh, think about it this way. Like if you were called to go out and be a Navy SEAL or a Green Beret in an actual war, the way to prepare for that would not be to binge on Netflix and Twinkies. Mm. That would not be the way you would prepare for that. You would be making daily steps toward, I got to condition myself on right. a daily basis to kind of get in shape so that I could have some stamina. I could have some endurance. Like I could go through some difficult situations. I could have some deprivation in my life and, and know how to handle it. Right. You'd go through some training. You'd, you'd make yourself strong. You develop some disciplines. Right. Well, that's what the spiritual life is like. You have to develop spiritual disciplines. You have to actually start um, you know, having a prayer life, you have to start reading the scripture regularly. You have to be in fellowship with other Christians, mm. building each other up, iron sharpening iron. You have to read books of great Christian heroes. Um, you have to start to saying no to yourself uh, on certain things and saying, you know what, do I really need to um, just have everything that I want all the time and be self-indulgent? And so learning how to develop spiritual disciplines is a phenomenal way for us to become strong and, and every day we're becoming the person that we're going to be and so we all would like to think well in that moment when i'm called upon to stand for jesus and you know somebody's got a gun to my head well then i'm going to do the right well that's not how it works <laughs> you know the way that you give your life and you lay down your life for christ in some ultimate way is you lay down your life for christ every single day in small ways really small mm -hmm. ways, but that's what you're asked to do. So what does that look like practically? Well, it looks like you lay down your life for your children mm -hmm. and you actually sacrifice things that you might like that would be convenient because you know it's better for you to invest in them mm. spiritually and in their life and their spiritual growth than for you to have you know, the $5,000 vacation or the new boat or the, you know what I'm saying? You say like, I'm gonna invest in their discipleship and you invest in, in it in your marriage and you say like, I'm willing to die to myself and put the needs of my spouse first. Like I'm not gonna have to have my way all the time. I'm not gonna fight for my way all the time. And it's in relationships with other Christians where you truly do what the Bible says and you consider them as better than yourself. And it's, it's those daily decisions that are difficult and that are hard, but that's how you build the strength. That's how you build the stamina to actually be able to you know, to do amazing things when you're called upon it and to have those moments like Sabina Wormbron where you can go up and you can embrace the person who murdered your family. None of us do that in the natural. Our flesh is not hardwired to do that. We aren't like that. Right. Only the Holy Spirit is like that. Right. And only the Holy Spirit in us can be that and do that and act that way. But you have to submit to the Holy Spirit every single day. Do you know how many days Sabina Wormbron had to die to her own self mm. before she could act that way right thousands of days of dying right. to herself before right. she could respond in that way yeah i um i appreciate this because this is the practical thing that i think we bring up a fair number i think we do a good job of bringing up that this these micro doses right. of obedience these right. micro doses of turning to christ in in your daily life as much as you can remember right 
it becomes your new muscle memory. You know, it's it's the Absolutely. rewiring that occurs right. and it's the practice. And, you know, that's one of the things this episode I think is going to be one of my favorites, but at the same time, I can predict that some listeners be like, that was one of the, my least favorites. Well, why? Well, because it was a big dose of real life. It was a big dose of reality of, yes, it is absolutely about Christ. And the, and when you're a baby Christian and you might be in it 30 years and still be a baby Christian, depending on how much microdosing you've done. Right. But if you are a baby Christian, this might sound terrifying and and discouraging, but the good, beautiful news is we have the Holy spirit Mm. that is keeping us going and delivering conviction. And we have the body of Christ delivering conviction that we can practice leaning into now because that is those little tiny discomforts. And we can practice right now. Maybe we're not being shot in the head, but we've also said this about, you know, Stephen, everyone says they'll be Stephen when the time comes, but day to day, they're like, but I'm not gonna say anything because that's awkward or because people might laugh or because someone might not be my friend anymore. Someone might unfriend me. I might not get enough followers on Instagram if I say that, you know? And I think that those little things, yes, they sound shallow when you're thinking about people being flayed alive for their faith. But in America, that's a great litmus test of you and your spiritual confidence in who Christ Mm -hmm. is, is can you just suck it up and deal with being a little uncomfortable today? Just once, try it just once for Christ. Because I can promise that that's going to build in us, you know, and I think that that's what I'm hearing throughout this episode. Mm. And, and I'm encouraged and I'm emboldened to do it. And that's what this, this season's about. It's a little tough. We're trying to break down and build back up the way that biblically we're called to. I think something that's always said, too, is, you know, follow the conviction. But if you're not in the word of God, right. <laughs> where, what, what where, where's the conviction coming from? <laughs> and, and, but when you hear that conviction, because faith, you know, faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of God. And, and that is that building process. That is that process that is constantly starting, starting to grow us and starting to take us from the milk into the meat and then starting to establish us in that walk and that encompassing uh, journey with Jesus. Because I love what you say. I love the boxy, boxyanity. I love the fact that, you know, we're trying to take away from all these multiple paradigms, you know, because the world is confusing because of multiple paradigms and God is not a God of confusion, but God is a God who is clear, who is, who is very upfront. And he says, this is what I want. And so when we start putting all of these different, like, okay, boxy antis, different boxes, you know, in, in our lives, it gets very confusing to the direction that God wants us to go. Um, we've kind of touched on every, a lot of things here. Yeah. I think that, um, We've heard a lot of great things, brother. I'm telling you, I, I, I love what you're saying. And I know that there's going to be people out there that are struggling, like Michelle said, like, oh, I have to but give how? up. What? I, yeah. what? Oh, look, pray about it. Be in the word of God about it. I'm telling you, when he starts to align our hearts and he starts to put wisdom into us and starts to, to walk us on the path and the direction that he wants, it actually becomes an easier path. I, I remember, you know, like I, pregnancy. Pregnancy. Oh my gosh. You have kids, right? I was about to be like, does he? He does have 11. I forgot the number, but oh my gosh, 11. But I remember the first time that Michelle got, okay, well, she's only been pregnant once, but she got pregnant. And it's like, the world is telling her like 9 million ways, like 9 million ways to take care of this kid. And none of them align, like none of them line up. And I'm just like, I was sitting there one day and I looked at her and I said, I'm done. And she goes, what do you mean I'm done? And I, I, or what do you mean you're done? And I said, 
I just turned it over to God. And let me tell you something. She followed suit not long behind that. And the minute we turned it over to God, it was almost like a light bulb went on. And it was like, I will help you care for your kid. There are things that we can do together. And he has really been instrumental in our our psyche, our stresses are, you know, she gets hurt. It's like, okay, call on God. You know, yeah, okay, you might have to take her to a doctor. I get it. But we call on God first so that we can get in alignment and start to move. You know, one thing I'd like to just say kind of as a closing thought is that there's only one throne in your life. And I think some people, some Christians struggle for placement on that throne. And it's like, yeah, they want Jesus to sit on the throne of their life sometimes. But they also want to have significant time on that throne where they get to call the shots and they get to make the decisions. And, you know, what I would say to those people is that you don't really know Jesus. Because when you come to see Jesus for who he really is, and when you really come to see God for who he is, if you really have that kind of biblical encounter with the living God and, and you see him, not, not this version of him that we've created in our own mind, that you, you will have so much awe and so much reverence uh, of his power and of his holiness um, and that you'll see yourself in comparison and, you know, when anybody in the Bible ever saw God in his glory, they had an amazing epiphany of themselves and it was never pretty. Mm. And so they they would say, as Isaiah did, you know, woe to me, I'm undone. And they, they always thought they were going to die because they just saw like, wow, God is so holy and I'm just so not. Right. But then the thing that happens is you go, wow, rather than destroying me, you know, God has chosen to uh, to call me a son. Mm. To call me his daughter, to adopt me into his family. And he doesn't cast me out. He doesn't throw me away because I'm imperfect. Like he loves me and he embraces me and he's given me everything that belongs to him. Like his whole, you know, I get the inheritance of everything that is his. It belongs to me because I'm adopted into his family. And so you just have this sense of awe. And, and you can truly come to say, as the Apostle Paul did, in my flesh and me, there dwells no good thing. Mm. nothing that's hard it hurts like people don't want to say that because they have a lot of pride and they're like well i'm a good person no we're not we're not good Mm. um jesus is good and anything that that you know that we're experiencing that is life-giving it's from jesus it's from the power of the holy spirit it's not from us the the galatians 5 the works of the flesh that's what we're like the fruit of the spirit that's what jesus is like and so um, when we really see that, we really get a hold of that. You just don't have that same desire to want to take the chair, to take the throne of your life. You're like, you know what? I've done that. I've tried that. I've lived that way. And every time I did, my best thinking got me into a mess. And so I'm willing to just get out of the chair and let let him be king. I think that you have written some amazing books that actually can help people, given their format. I think that you've written some books that can really help people kind of exercise their mind around a biblical worldview. We touched on it last season when we were talking about evangelism, but really helping people start seeing things that way because it, it's an exercise if it doesn't just come to you. So sure. I'd love, you know, as we wrap up for you to give people 
like just a very quick rundown of some of the topics that your books discuss, like the ones you would recommend people who who really want to lean more into this and they just need some help. Well, I, I appreciate that very much. And so uh, a few books that I think will help you in your journey. Uh, this is one that I wrote. It's called Questions God Asks. Uh, the subtitle is Unlocking the Wisdom of Eternity. And this is a a cha- 19 chapter Bible study through the Old Testament based on questions God asked people. And um, it's got different topics. It's a topical Bible study. Mm. Um, this is a sequel to it. It's called Questions Jesus Asks, uh, Where Divinity Meets Humanity. And uh, again, 20 questions. So between the two, there's like 39 different chapters on completely different theological topics. Mm. If somebody's been a Christian for 30 years and they're like, you know what? I've read the Bible many times. I've heard thousands of sermons. They would read these books and be like, Oh, wow, I never saw that that way before. Hmm. Not because I'm adding anything to the Bible, but I'm actually just slowing down and I'm taking these questions that God asked people or that Jesus asked people in the New Testament. I'm really digging down. I'm like dialing way deep on these passages. So we're pulling out a whole bunch of stuff that's in the text, but the people just read past. And so people just said it's been really transformative for them in their Bible study. But I also wanted it to be that if somebody was a baby Christian, and they're new to all this, that they're not scared off by it. And they're not like, right. oh, I have no idea what this is guy's talking about because he's using all these big words. And, you know, I really yeah. want it to be something that they would be able to read and, and be like, this is really changing my life because I'm starting to see the gospel as it really is. Uh, this is what I do, full-time ministry. I travel around as a conference speaker. I speak in churches and family camps and conferences. I write books. Um, I have 11 children. And I don't have like a side thing. Like this is what I do full time. God's right. blessed me. I'm um, coming Amen. up in January. This is gonna be 30 years full time that I've been doing wow. this. We uh, understand. And then I have some parenting books <laughs> yeah. um, that I would encourage you to check out. Raising them up, parenting for Christians. This is like the the 30,000 foot view of how to disciple your children, uh, how to get their heart, keep their heart, how to raise them in the faith, how to you know put in the good stuff, keep out the bad stuff. Um, this is just biblical discipleship for your family 101. Eleven this is a bestseller. My yes. wife and I wrote this. It's called Pitching a Fit, Overcoming Angry and Stressed Out Parenting. Mm. And uh, these books are uh, available also on our website. Again, you can get them anywhere, but I'd encourage if you can, get them from familyrenewal.org. If you buy these books on Amazon, I make about 65 cents as an author because oh. Amazon keeps almost all the money. Right. And that's why they own the world. <laughs> so I would encourage you order them from our family renewal website. If you do, I'll personally sign them for you. Um, that's just a way that we make a little bit on the books as right. opposed to just, just sweet. FYI, that sounds y'all. good. And then I've got a couple books that are related to Christian education and homeschooling. If anybody's interested in that, they can also check those out on our website as well. Thank you so, yeah, thank much, you so much for being here. This has been an amazing episode. Like I said, in the show notes, you'll have links to all of these books so that you can go ahead and support the ministry. And then, of course, you can also support our ministry because we would love to do more of these. But I am a homeschool mom and Shay works full time and we do this and many other things. So if you haven't yet, go to patreon.com slash the pantry podcast and you can support us with a one time or a monthly donation there. So until and next- I'm going to go out with one thing from Francis Schaefer. <laughs> okay. Because I looked this up. Go for it. Because, I mean, he threw it out there. (laughs) No work of art is more important than the Christian's life. And every Christian is called to be an artist in this sense. The Christian's life is to be a thing of truth and also a thing of beauty in the midst of a lost and despairing world. Amen. 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 All right, y'all. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. 
Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and catch other great shows on the Edify app, Spark Radio, Uplifted, and Eternity Ready Radio.